just a little bit and let's put it in G and let's sing that song Jesus on the main line well it's Jesus on the main line tell him what you want Jesus on the main line tell him what you want Jesus on the main line tell him what you want us on the main line now. Well, the line ain't never busy. Tell him what you want. The line ain't never busy. Tell him what you want. The line ain't ever busy. Tell him what you want. Just call him up and tell him what you want. And it's on the main line tell him what you want Jesus on the main line tell him what you want it's Jesus on the main line tell him what you want Jesus on the main line now well just call him up call him up tell him what you want call him up 
Call him up, just tell him what you want. Just call him up, call him up, and tell him what you want. Jesus on the main line now. And it's Jesus on the main line. Tell him what you want. And Jesus on the main line. Tell him what you Tell him what you want, Jesus on the main line now. And if you are feeling down and out, tell him what you want. And if you're feeling down and out, tell him what you want. And if you're feeling down and out, tell him what you want. It's Jesus on the main line Tell him what you want, and if you're sick and want to give up, tell him what you want, and if you're sick and want to give up, tell him what you want, it's Jesus on the main line now, well just call him up, call him up, and tell him what you want, call him up, call him up, and tell him what you Tell him what you want It's Jesus on the main line now Come on now And it's Jesus on the main line Tell him what you want It's Jesus on the main line Tell him what you want It's Jesus on the main line Tell him what you want Jesus on the main line Hallelujah, since I laid my burden down, the glory, hallelujah, since I laid my burden down, sing that again, oh glory, glory, hallelujah.
to you by and by. I'll fly away. Oh, now I'll fly away. Oh, Gloria, fly away. And I'll not die. Hallelujah, by and by. And I've got my wedding garments on, and this old world can never hold me anymore. When I'll be gone, for I've made my consecration, and I've got my wedding garments on. One more time, come on, this old world. For I've made my consecration, and I've got my wedding garments on. Come on. Amen. Amen. We'll just change it up now a little bit, and uh, let's sing that song, Bring All Your Needs to the Altar, as uh, we prepare to bring some needs before you all to pray for it. So bring all your needs to the altar and bring all your needs to the this morning. Uh, if you would, please just remember Brother Keith Buchanan, my dad. He is away at work, but on his way home. So if you would just uh, remember him in prayer. We also just want to remember the drums who are away. And also, if you would, please remember uh, Sister Shirley Buchanan, my grandmother. She was here, but had to leave because she uh, got sick while she was here. So if you would uh, just keep those in prayer. Uh, any unspoken prayer requests, have the left up in your hand. We all have many. Uh, if I could have uh, Brother Andy come up and pray for these requests. And at this time, too, um, if I could ask the deacons to come up as well. And we'll go ahead and take up the tithing offering because we have a few specials. lovely Lord Jesus. Father, we come before your throne of grace and mercy. Lord, we would just 
ask that you forgive us for anything we've done wrong, Father. Whether it be a thought, whether it be a word or a deed, an attitude, anything at all that would hinder you from moving in our hearts, moving in our church. In the name of Jesus Christ, we would ask that you would bind and banish those things from your presence, Father. And Lord, we look to Calvary this morning. And we say thank you, Father. We always say thank you, Lord Jesus, when we look to that cross and think of what you did for us, Father. Lord, we said bring all your needs to the altar. We didn't have that cross to look to. Lord, these, these needs, Father, would go nowhere. Because you took care of all these needs, Lord Jesus. And we think of those that were mentioned, Father. Brother Keith, Sister Shirley, those that are traveling, Father. And Lord, we just ask that you would move on the scene, Lord. Move as you only know how to do, Father. And those that lifted their, their hands to you, Father. Lord, it was unspoken to us, but yet it was spoken to you, Lord Jesus. And we would ask, Father, that when the man of God gets behind this pulpit and preaches that word, Lord, may it go forth and may it accomplish that which it was destined to do, Father. Lord, may you wash over us with your affection, with your word, Lord Jesus, with your spirit, that we would leave this building today much better much closer, much more in love with you and each other. And Father, we also ask that you bless this tithes and the offerings. May it go forth to always further your kingdom. Father, we give you this day. We ask that the veil of the Holy Ghost be overshadowed us. Shut us in, Lord Jesus, that we would just spend time with thee. For we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing that song, um, This Is My Desire. And this is my desire to honor you. Lord, with all my heart, I worship you.
have a couple of specials here, and I want to make sure that they're right. I have Sister Sherry LaFontaine singing a special. Is that right? And I also have Sister Grace Brown. Okay. I just want to make sure. So as uh, Sister Sherry would come on up, um, and uh, just go ahead and sing your special. God bless you all. I bring greetings from my family, Brother Paula Fontaine and my mom. She said to say hi to all of you, so I'm going to do it this way rather than individually, okay? <laughs> it's so good to be here. We came up and to enjoy your mountains with a few friends, and we've had a wonderful time, and so glad we can be in the house of the Lord with you today. Uh, about a month ago, um, I came in contact with a demon that we're all very familiar with right now. And uh, it was a very scary place to be in, you know. And when I didn't know where my next breath was coming from, and I didn't know, I couldn't remember what day it was sometimes, I realized that it wasn't in my physical strength or my mental strength. Once again, it was a good reminder that it's all about him. It's all about him through us. Amen. So this is really on my heart this morning to sing. And I I know you know as as a congregation, so sing along with me. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, but sometimes I want. Can do through me. Mm, no great success to show, no glory of my own. Yet in my weakness, He is there to let me. Truly see how deep. 
Thank you for that. Let's put it in the key of D, and if you would just stand with me. Let's sing that song, uh, Waymaker. You are here, moving in our
You are here. You are here, touching every life. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, meeting every need. I worship you. I worship you. For you are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Who oh, you are, way maker, miracle, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. You are here, touching
pray. Heavenly Father, we address you this morning, Lord, with great joy in our hearts. Just the peace that is present here today, Lord, and the presence of God is just such a wonderful thing. And we desire, Lord, to enter in, and not just to be blessed by the feeling of it, but, Lord, to have you quicken your word to us and to teach us things and challenge us, to bring healing to those who need it, encouragement, Lord, to the discouraged. Father, we commit the people and their needs to you, Lord. But we also pray that you would be glorified in all that's done. Now I pray you would take complete control of my spirit and of every spirit here today. That, Lord, you may accomplish your purpose for this gathering. And we do believe you have a purpose. Every time your people gather, you have something to say. You have a purpose. You have a reason for us coming, Lord, into this one place. Now, in the name of Jesus Christ, we commit the people, Lord, and the word into your hands and ask that you would just minister, Lord, to each and every heart. And we'll ask, give you thanks for it in Jesus Christ's lovely name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. I'm going to ask you to take your Bible, if you don't mind, at the very beginning here, and because uh, I, I just want to jump right into the Word in, in uh, just a couple of brief announcements. Thank you, musicians. It'll be just fine. How many enjoyed the pre-service this morning? Amen. Wonderful specials, and we greet you all in the name of the Lord Jesus this morning. Good to have all of you here, all of our guests and visitors, and uh, we're honored that you join us today. God bless you. Now, we're going to go in the book of Isaiah, and uh, we're going to read a couple of passages there. We're going to title this uh, the second part of our little series we started last Sunday on The Real Thing, and uh, we're going to subtitle it, I Have Seen the Fire. So let's read in verse 1 of chapter 44. Now, in my Schofield Bible, I have this, um, I have this subheading here of chapter 44, and it says, The Promise of the Spirit and the Folly of Idolatry. That's what it says in my Schofield Bible here. So this is an Old Testament promise of the Spirit which has not come. All right? It's, it's about to happen uh, later on after the days of Jesus. Yet now hear, O Jacob, my servant, and Israel whom I have chosen. That word in the Hebrew means I have decided for. I've already decided for you. I've already made my decision. Thus saith the Lord that made thee and formed thee from the womb which will help thee. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and thou, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thine offering. And they shall spring up as among the grass, as willows by the water courses. Verse 10. Who hath formed a God or molded? molten a graven image that is profitable for nothing. Which among you have made a God? You've been successfully able to build or construct a God. Who among you has done that? And Isaiah is asking the question here. We'll we'll come back to this in a moment, but just if you don't mind, let's read verse uh, 14 here. He heweth him down cedars, and these are the idolaters now. He hath hewn him down cedars, and taketh the cypress and the oak, which which he strengthened for himself among the trees of the forest. He planteth an ash, and the rain doth nourish it. And then shall it be for a man to burn, for he will take thereof to warm himself. himself. Yea, he kindleth it, and baketh bread, and maketh a god, and worshipeth it, and maketh it 
a graven image and falleth down thereto. And he burneth part thereof in the fire, with part thereof he eateth flesh. He roasteth flesh and is satisfied. He warmeth himself and saith, Aha, I am warm. I've seen the fire. And the residue thereof he maketh a god. Even his graven image he falleth down unto it, worshipeth it, prayeth unto it, and saith, Deliver me, for thou art my God. Last verse, 18. They have not known, nor understood, for he has shut their eyes that they cannot see, and their hearts that they cannot understand. May the Lord add his blessing. You may be seated. That's an unusual reading, but it's all good because it's all scripture. Isn't that right? All right. Let's jump right in. I want to get a couple of announcements here just uh, as a preliminary. May 26th, Sister Tina's. No. Do you know this person? Okay. Sister Tina Knobloch's birthday. May 28th is the Reverend Pastor's birthday. And May 29th is Sister Karen's birthday. I don't know if Sister Karen is here this morning or not, but we wish each one a happy birthday. Yesterday we had the ladies' tea, and it was fattening. It was wonderful. It was nice to be able to get together. appreciated my servers, my team, uh, who were there. These two, uh, these two were there, and Noah and Emmanuel and Lincolnton, and we appreciated them helping out. And it was just wonderful. Had some, had some good times. We're going to do a baptizing today. Brother Hunter McIntosh is going to be baptized today. McIntosh. Is that how you say it? McIntosh. <laughs> I know lots of people in Scotland who are McIntosh. So it's okay. It's all right. Brother Hunter, I've been impressed with Hunter, and he's just... Uh, uh, we've been communicating this week and just has a sincere desire to uh, walk in the waters of baptism. And so uh, we're going to be doing that after service today. So may the Lord bless him. Brother Elias took a trip to the southern highlands in Tanzania and uh, uh, brought some materials down to the believers down there. And there was a Pentecostal church that uh, the, the believers were witnessing to. And over on the, the left uh, it's Brother Angelus, who we've uh, shown you before, and that's Brother Elias next to him. And uh, they've been witnessing to this Pentecostal pastor, and he and his wife came out and were baptized. And then the believers uh, in the church started to come out and uh, follow uh, that pastor and uh, were, uh, were baptized as well. And so it's just wonderful, just a real uh, kind of a mini revival down there. And this is Brother Isaac over on the left and uh, some of the sisters who were baptized there in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then what was really nice is that they were able to give all the new converts uh, their own Bible in Swahili and a copy of the Church Age book in Swahili. And uh, this was really nice. They, the, the people like this who we find now tell us when they come out of denominational churches and they come into the light of the message, and now in these countries like this we're able to give them a Bible and give them some material in their own language, they say that they've never owned a Bible, never read a Bible in their life, never had access to one, and they're just absolutely thrilled to death to be able to get their own Bible and to be able to take it home and read it in their language. So they're very excited about that, and uh, it's, it's just really wonderful. 
So um, that is, uh, that is uh, Brother Elias and working with the, the saints down there uh, in that part of the world. Let's jump right into the word this morning. Uh, you, you sing like you're ready uh, to worship the Lord, and, and I want you to hold on to that this morning. Um, <clears throat> just very quickly here, uh, Sister Shirley Lingle uh, is not with us today, and her mom is still in the hospital. She's in uh, Catawba, and uh, she had uh, excess fluid and uh, a couple of other complications. And so, Sister, I was just talking to Sister Shirley uh, if you don't mind remembering them in prayer, and uh, Sister Shirley is very faithful to her mom. Her mother's name is Della Clunch, and uh, she is uh, certainly needing a touch from the Lord. Um, also as well, and if you don't mind, I'd like you to just uh, hold a special on your heart, Sister Mary Smith. Uh, she fell last night at 3 a.m. Uh, they had to call EMS to help uh, get her back into bed again, and then uh, she got up a second time and fell a second time again. And uh, so she's just uh, having a difficult time. And Brother Smith wrote me this morning and asked if we could remember them in prayer. And we sure, sure do. We uh, really appreciated yesterday the sisters all uh, at their tables. They made a group shot of every table. And then they uh, composed a card for Sister Mary. And uh, they're going to get all those cards down to Sister Mary. And they brought them food yesterday. So it was really nice uh, to be able to have that. Good to have the Walters here today. Just wanted to say a special shout out to the Walters. We always miss you when you're not here, and good to have you back with us today. And the McCafferty's as well are away. All right. It is the desire of every believer that we want to have the real thing that comes down to the end of the road. I mean, there's there's a a long while you can carry on with different ideas, different thoughts about things, but at the end of the day, when this all winds up, and you can see how how confusing and how crazy it's all going to be. We've had little indications along the way of how crazy our world can get very quickly, right? Things can change very quickly. 9-11 taught us that. And even within the message community, there are things that come out that bring out things that, you know, in a sense, shock everybody. We never thought that that person would do this or that because of the circumstances that exist. But that's the world we live in. So at the end of the day, it's not going to be which church you attend. It's not going to be how many works you've done. It's not going to be how many people you know. It's going to be whether you've got the real thing or not. And so we want to minister about the real thing, and we want to talk about the Holy Spirit because, number one, I think that's edifying for us. But I think, number two, he likes to be talked about. He likes to be talked about in the right way. He likes to be worshipped. He likes to be acknowledged. And I, I think it's a good thing for us to talk about it. Uh, I'll tell you what, he, the Holy Ghost knows a whole lot more about the Holy Ghost than me. So I'm going to trust that as we, you know, talk about the Word and talk about the things of God here, that He'll quicken the Word to you because, like I say, He can do that a whole lot better than I can. And I believe that He cares about us and all the, uh, all the kinds of situations that we find ourselves in. I mean, there's so many unique ones. If we went around the room, there's so many different questions. And if you had five minutes with the Holy Spirit and you could sit down and tell Him something, every one of you would tell Him something different or ask Him something different. And that's okay. That's okay, because we all find ourselves at different stages of life. But I, I will tell you that uh, the Holy Spirit is interested in really in one thing about you, and that is getting you from where you are to where you belong. Right? He wants you, he wants you to be right so you're not left, and he wants you to be in the right place when all of this is said and done and all of it's over. He wants you to be there. 
And he's interested in your spiritual growth and your spiritual maturity. He's interested in your heart's cry. He's interested in uh, the things that you have need of and the things you don't even know you have need of, but you need them in order to be sustained in the last part of this journey until we get to the other side. He's very interested in that. And he's a supplier still. Do you believe that? He's still Jehovah Jireh. So stay with me this morning. I'm not going to be long, but I just want to share some things that are on my heart. And if you don't mind, let's take a look again. If you have your Bible open, let's go back to this chapter in 44 here. And it's really great. It's a, it's a very, one of those very full chapters. In verse 3, when it says, I will pour out, whenever you see the phrase pour out, it usually in the Old Testament is a prophecy or a promise that God one day will pour out His Spirit. And it will come like a flowing. It'll come like a fountain where God uh, allows this, this uh, presence of His Spirit uh, to fall upon His seed. And even though we know that the rain falls upon the just and the unjust, we know that the right thing will be produced in the hearts of the seed of God because they have the right seed there already. Right? God's not pouring out seeds. God's pouring out water. God's not pouring out predestination. Predestination's already a done deal. He's pouring out the water that affects those that are predestinated. Are you following me this morning? And he says, I'll pour that out and I'll pour out my blessing upon thine offspring. And he says, I'll make it come to pass. And then in 7 he says, and who as I shall call, who as I, who as I, like God, shall call and, and shall declare it and set it in order for me, since I, have appo- I appointed the ancient people. Watch the, word, watch the sentence again. And who as I shall call and shall declare it and set it in order for me since I appointed the ancient people. The reason you're here is because I appointed you to be here. You are my people. You're my ancient people. And all the way back from Moses and from Abraham and all the way back from the very beginning, I referred to you as my people and my family. You're my offspring. And you are my seed, and you're, you're the ones that uh, came from Abraham all the way down to this day. And he says, who else can do that? Who else can appoint a people and then preserve them and then, uh, you know, further them along and pour his spirit out upon them that they might bring forth? Who else can do that? And he's asking the question here among Jews, and these are the Jews that are in exile. He said, fear, fear ye not, neither be afraid. Have not I told you from that time and have declared it? Ye are even my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? There is, there is no God. I know not any. Who, he says, you people are, are my witnesses. And he says, uh, you know, you, you have been called and you have seen and you have, uh, you have, uh, you're, you're called now to declare the things that you have seen. One thing about a witness is that he's got to be able to see something in order to be a credible witness. You can't get on the, on the, on the stand in a court and say, you know what? I got a real good friend and he told me that they robbed that bank. I heard that, that he said, that she said that it was on CNN that this certain thing happened. And, it, you know, it's got to be right because it was on the Internet. That's not what a witness, they don't want a witness like that. They're going to reject a witness like that. They want somebody who said, I saw it. Under oath, I saw it with my own eyes. And God is saying to the people here, ye are the people that have seen God do it. And ye are to be witnesses of me in all the earth. You're to be the ones to declare it. You're to be the ones to declare uh, the salvation of our God. And I believe this in this last day. You have a lot to declare because God has declared much to us. And therefore you have a responsibility to say, I know the way. I know, I know the power of God. I know the ability of God to save. 
And I believe that there is a path out of here. And there's only one. There's not a dozen. Just like in the days of Noah, there was one ark. And I believe we know the path to safety. I believe we know the path to glory. And you have a responsibility to declare that if you see it. You never have a right to do wrong. You never have a right to say the wrong thing about what God has said. Therefore, every one of us who are in the faith, and I'm speaking to you this way this morning at this point, every one of us who are in the faith, uh, we have a responsibility not only to say, but to live. And as we live it, we declare it to this world, this is the way that young people can live. And this is the way that uh, you can live holy in this generation. In a very dirty world, you can still live holy. How many believe that? I believe that young people should be able to conduct themselves right, according to the Scripture. I believe that we should be able to conduct ourselves correct in relationships and in our, uh, in our daily life and in our conduct and in our worship and in our church life and all of that in our family life. We should be able to conduct ourselves right. You know why? Because it's not you doing it. It's Christ in you that's doing it. And you are witnesses of the right thing, and we are to carry on that and to continue to be the witnesses and the declares of who God is in our time. And this is what God is telling Israel, I've predestinated you for this. You are my ancient people. Let's read on just a little bit further here. But he says, he asks a question, he says, but hey, in verse 9, they that make a graven image are all of them vanity, and their delectable things shall not profit. And they are for their own witnesses. They are their own witnesses. They see not nor know that they may be ashamed. Who hath formed a God or molten a graven image that is profitable for nothing. Who, who among you has made a God? Anybody want to stand up and say, yeah, I made a God who can do the same things that Jehovah can do? He's, he's kind of asking them this in a, uh, in, in a sense, in a, in, in a way that, you know, the answer is obvious. And he, and he talks about the makers, the, the smiths and the carpenters and all of these different craftsmen that are down here. And they'll take a part of that tree, for instance, and they'll, they'll make a, a portion of fire, they make a portion of a, uh, maybe their furniture or a house with that, and they'll cut up some of the kindling and they'll make a fire and cook their meal and make bread and eat it, and then they'll take a portion of it and they'll make a, a god. I gotta ask you the question, who made the tree in the first place? It's kinda like the atheists, you know, who challenged God one time. In this, uh, little illustration, somebody told me, he challenged God one time, and you know, he said, well, you know, you're not the only creator. And God said, all right. He says, what do you want to, what do you want to create? And the guy said to, to God, he said, well, he said, let's, let's make a, an earth. God said, great. You go first. He reached down and got a handful of dirt and God said, hey, get your own dirt. <laughs> who's, who's made a God among you that can do the things that I can do? Who's made a God that can deliver people? Who's, a, who's a, a, a God who can, who among you can make a God that can help people know truth and see the light? He said, there's nobody on the earth that can do that. In 20, he said, he feedeth on ashes, a deceived heart hath turned him aside, that he cannot deliver his soul. Nor say, is there not, is there not a lie in my right hand? In other words, God is saying that without, uh, Without my help, you're going to live your life believing a lie and not be able to see, uh, see introspectively or not, not to be able to look at yourself, look, at, look inward and be able to see that you're actually believing a lie. 
There's a lot of people in this world who believe a lie, thinking they're going to heaven, believing a lie. There's a lot of people who feel like if I'm good enough, and if I give enough, and if I sacrifice enough, and, and you know what, I do enough novenas on my knees, then God will honor that and I'll make it in. They're believing a lie. God is saying it's not in you to be able to look at yourself and to be able to analyze what you believe and what you know and what you really are and to be able to change that and find the right way. It's not in you to do that. God is saying, which among you can make a God that can make people know the truth and the light? Is there anybody among you? And there, obviously, uh, there's no response here. And then he says in 21, Remember thee, O Jacob, O Israel, for thou art my servant. I have formed thee. Thou art my servant, O Israel. Thou shalt not be forgotten of me. It's amazing. God says, even in your darkness and in your ignorance, He says, I haven't forgotten you. I, I have a plan for you. I have a way for you. And that's the God that we serve, isn't it? He's a God of mercy. So in other words, this is a promise. This whole chapter is about a promise to, uh, to Israel about the Holy Spirit. Because the only way, the only way that a man can know what's right, the only way that a man can actually see the light, let me say this, the only way you'll ever really cause any substantive change in your life is when Christ begins the work through the Holy Spirit inside you. This is, let me tell you, this is not about uh, you conforming to how everybody else is dressed here. This is not you girls looking around and saying, wow, nobody's wearing lipstick and nobody's cutting their hair, so I, I won't do that. I'm going to come every Sunday and I, I'm going to be that way. I'm going to have, a, you know, no makeup and I'm going to have my hair not cut and, and that's, that's, that's exactly the way I'm going to be. That, this is not it, folks. This is not what we're trying to do. We're not trying to be like one another. We're not trying to, uh, you know, just mimic one another. Let me tell you, when it's real, it comes from the inside because it's the Holy Spirit actually expressing Himself and living His own life out according to the Word of God. We don't restrain ourselves because we might get caught. We don't restrain ourselves because we might get caught. We restrain ourselves because we don't want to grieve Him, first of all. We live... In, in an atmosphere of holiness, we live, we live according to the principles of God's Word because it is God's Word. That's simply the sole reason why we do that. And so God is saying that, I know, Israel, that you're in a place where you can't see the light by yourselves. Where you can't, you can't deliver yourselves from the bondage of sin by yourselves. So, I'm going to do something. I'm going to pour my spirit out upon my seed. That's what he said in verse 3. I'm going to do that. And when that Holy Spirit comes, he's going he's to do things for you. He's going to do things in you. How many can say amen? Now, what we're going to do in this little series is we're going to look at what the Holy Spirit does. I think it's a wonderful thing uh, what the Holy Spirit does in us when we get him. Uh, I think it's a wonderful thing. I, I think, uh, you know, I'll say this, that I, I believe, uh, Brother Hume, that uh, God gives us a, a sense of, the Holy Spirit gives us a sense of conviction to know what's right and wrong. I think that's a wonderful thing. You may not think that that's such a great thing because it reminds you of the things you've done wrong. But I'll say this. I believe it's a wonderful thing. There's only one place where the word conviction is used in the Bible. And it's found in the gospel when the people find, the men find, this woman who's found in the act of adultery. You remember that? And they bring her to Jesus. And they all, they all hey, we're going to have a killing today. And they bring her to Jesus, and they're all standing there with rocks in their hands. And they, they say to him, uh, well, Master, isn't this what the Word says? Isn't this what the Bible says? 
And Jesus is sitting there writing on the ground, and he simply says, Well, he that's among you that has not sinned, let him cast the first stone. And the Bible says that one by one, they felt a conviction in their own heart. One by one, they dropped their stones and they walked away. And Jesus said, Woman, where are thine accusers? That's the only place where the word conviction is used. But you know what? It's actually applied before the day of Pentecost. Because there is a human, in a sense, God made us with the ability to intuitively know when something is really wrong. <laughs> when you when you just been showed up. When, when something happens, and humanly speaking, Jesus had... Hey, listen, the truth has a way of bringing out things like nothing else. And every one of them, by the one sentence that he made, every one of them knew that they were all sinners. Every one of them knew that really, in reality, they were no better than this woman right here. They couldn't say, we live a sinless life, therefore we have a right to judge. Couldn't do that. So, so they, the only way to really deal with this is to walk away from it because, you know, they were under conviction. If a human being can have a sense of conviction about what's right and wrong, how about you that have the Holy Spirit? Shouldn't there be something even more in you, let alone the human side of conviction, but shouldn't there be something a little bit more in you that says, Hey, pal, you've gone far enough. Hey, that's not right. And he'll pull you back from the edge, and he'll, he'll give you that warning. And sometimes he'll give you a warning one way, then another way, then another way. And then someone will show up at your house and tell you something, or somebody will email you and tell you something, and then you come to church and Brother Barry jumps all over it, or somebody jumps all over it, and you're sitting there saying, Huh! It's okay to say that as long as it means this. Huh! Thank you, Lord. That's the right way to respond to that. But if you say, Huh! I don't have to listen to that. Let me tell you, the Holy Spirit has ways of turning up the volume. He's a master at changing circumstances in your life. Not only to get your attention, he tries that very faithfully, but to get you to look up to him because you have no one else to look up to. Conviction is a wonderful thing. You know why? Because God's interested in getting you there. And if the devil had his way, he'd get you off the right path and onto the wrong one and influence you away from the kingdom. And God's trying to get you there. The Holy Spirit's trying to get you there. Come on, somebody say amen. Conviction is a wonderful thing. Conviction is a blessing of having the Holy Ghost. So God's describing Israel back here as a bunch of heathen who are making gods all over the place and fashioning them out of wood and so forth. No wonder Brother Branham made the statement like he is on the board here. He said we were just like a bunch of dumb idols carried away. He says, you know, just in the, in the phrase, you've heard this phrase many times here. He said to think that one time we poor Gentiles alienated from God far away from the commonwealth of salvation. We had no access to the mercy of God. And how that we were carried away with dumb idols. That's Brother Branham often makes this statement. You'll find it lots of places in the message here. And this is what he's referring to as the scripture right here. Because God is telling Israel, you're just a bunch of idol worshipers. Without the Holy Spirit, you're really worshiping the wrong thing. You'll never be able to get the right thing unless you have the Holy Spirit to guide you into all truth. And so therefore we wind up worshiping the wrong thing. There's people who worship their money. There's people who worship their job. There's lots of girls that worship their looks. I remember one time I was on an airplane recently. I was on an airplane, which is a rare thing. And uh, this girl sat down, she's a young girl, sat down by herself, and she had her phone. 
And uh, she, she spent, and this was not a long flight. I think I was coming from South Carolina and coming back home. But it wasn't a long flight. But the entire flight, she just uh, took selfies. Click, 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 click. And when the stewardess was not looking, you know, she took off the mask. Click, 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 the whole time. And I thought, all right, one or two, maybe, you know, to send a Delta and say, hey, we're, we're back, you know. But, but you know, 10,000, I thought, wow, she's got an agenda. She's got something. She's got a, you know. The only reason people want pictures of me is if they have rodents in their basement and they want to put the picture up and scare away the rodents. I just, I, I'm not, I guess I don't relate to that. I don't think about that at all. Brother Bam says, here we were. He says, we're like dumb idols, like, like Gentiles. He says, outside the, the boundaries of salvation, outside the consideration of salvation, and away from, away from God. And he says, yet in due season, God died in our stead. Paul even writes in 1 Corinthians 12, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Ye know that ye were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as ye were led. We followed that because people told us about that. We followed that because people suggested this is the way. And we never, therefore, we never knew the real way until the Holy Spirit came and introduced the real way. And we find the real way is found in the Bible. Right? We found the real way is in the light of the hour. And God, by His grace, points us to that light of the hour. And we begin to walk in that. It takes us through the pool of baptism. And it takes us all the way in the glory. That path is a sure path. And our steps need to be sure on that path. And they will bring us to the right destination if we follow them. But Satan is here to try to distract us and to get us off on the wrong path. And to be able to carry us away or distract us in some way. Hang on. Now, Brother Manum says again, he says, When the church gets to that place where that Christ means so much to us, that we thirst to get in his presence... And with each other. It's a life-giving resource. There's just something good about being with the people of God. No devil can ever overtake you. No devil can ever overtake you. Let's all say it together. No devil can ever overtake you. Now, I want you to make it personal and say, no devil can overtake me. No devil can overtake me. Do you believe that? If you believe it, say it again. No devil can overtake me. No devil. Even death itself is defeated there. What a place. Refresh yourself. And in doing so, how many feel a refreshing when you come to church? After all week and you've been laboring and studying and working and sweating, and this week you really will, and all the other things that are pressures that are out there, and you come to church and after church you kind of feel, all right, bring it on. That's not you. That's not you. You've been worn down by the week, but it's the presence of the Holy Spirit and each other that should build us back up and refresh ourselves. And in doing so, remembering Christ was the one who made it possible for us. For once we was aliens without God, carried away with dumb idols. But Christ died, not for the Jew, but for every creature of Adam's fallen race. Christ died, and all the believers said, Amen. Amen. All right, now, I want to... I want to just summarize, like I did last, uh, last Sunday, I, I talked a little bit about uh, this, this whole idea of what the Holy Ghost does and, and the real thing. 
here. What is the real thing? Is the Holy Ghost different than the token? And what is the evidence of the real thing? And when is a person saved? And what manifestations will a person have? And we want to deal with that. But I, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on, on review here, but I want to show you just a couple of screens here to illustrate because they'll bring us up to speed. On the day of Pentecost, Peter said, It's for you and for your children, as many as are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And every person that enters into the baptism of the Spirit, the true baptism of the Holy Spirit, every person that does can have the same Holy Ghost that they got on the day of Pentecost. I believe it. That's God's truth. There's no two Holy Spirits. There's no two comings of the Holy Spirit. There's only one coming of the Holy Spirit. Come on. There's only one Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit they had on the day of Pentecost, that's the same God that, that, that touched them. That's the same God that opened the doors for Peter outside the prison. That's the same God that we serve today. That's the same God that showed up in the church that day when Ananias and Sapphira thought they could lie and get away with it. Right? Same Holy Ghost. Come on. That's the same Holy Ghost. Now, not something that looked like it, but the real thing. And the Holy Ghost brings forth the same kind of an evidence and proof that they had back there. And I think looking at the evidence and proof is a very good way of analyzing whether we have it or not, because uh, evidence can be, uh, it can be infallible. Comes that, that's that same evidence and proof that they had, it comes with the same Holy Ghost. So God provides that, that assurance. All right, so in, in a summary, I gave you three screens of this last week, and we're going to expand it to five. But I want you to look, this is a nice summary here. That sin, here's, here's the, the, uh, the summer, summary, if you like. Romans 3.23, all of sin that comes short of the glory of God. And sin separates us from God. And we respond to this separation from God in a variety of ways. And lots of people will try to make it to God based on their own steam. I remember one time I sat in a cafe in Spain one time with somebody and uh, they, were, they were trying to convince me that, uh, they said, it's like this. I was introducing the message to them, and they said, it's like this. God's up on top of the mountain, but there's all kinds of ways up the mountain to the top. And they said, you can come this way, you can come this way, you can come another way, but there's all kinds of ways. But the point is, we all get to the top. And I said, man, that sounds pretty, sounds nice, but it's false. It's just flat false. Because there is only... One way. Right? Jesus didn't die on the cross to give us another option. And so people will try good deeds. They'll try to be morally sound. They'll try to give up this and give up that. Or they'll try to go to church and be a good person all their life. Nothing wrong with any of this. My goodness, if we had more of that, it would be great. But there are other people who just, you can see over on the very left over there, people who walk away because they realize, hey, there's not, I, I'm not good enough. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not capable. There's, no, there's absolutely no way. I don't, even, I don't even stand a chance to get across that chasm there. I'm not even going to venture out with my good deeds at all. Absolutely not. So the, the thing is, is that God's got good news for us. How many believe that? How many, how many glad you heard the good news? And that is that there is a Savior who is the Goel. He's the one that was the go-between. And, and when blood was required, Jesus said, don't take theirs, take mine. And he shed his own blood on Calvary's cross that, that we might actually be able to have communion with God. Now, here's what a prophet said in desperation. A Lutheran said, well, accepting Christ as Savior. Methodist said, when you get happy and shout. And the Pentecostal said, you speak in tongues and you got it. We found out that all of it was wrong. All of it was wrong is that evidence of the absolute baptism of the Holy Spirit. Right? The token is a token. It's you and Christ as persons together. 
It's the Holy Spirit, His life in you, working His own life through you, and it's for the rich and poor and whosoever. It's for anybody who would want to accept it, and that's the way the gospel is preached. We throw the net out for everybody. We know everybody won't receive it, right? But it's, for, it's made available for everybody. And I think that's good news because even though we know everybody won't accept it, I'm telling you this morning, you can and it doesn't matter how low you've gone. It doesn't matter how low you sink. It doesn't matter how bad you've been. It doesn't matter what kind of past you have. Let me say this. Even if you are a person who has walked with God, none of us are immune from trouble and traps. None of us get it all right on the journey. None of us, none of us are perfect in our conclusions, and flawless in our conduct. None of us are. And if you don't believe me, why don't we get a volunteer and put your thoughts across the board here. Your thoughts from this week. And put them across the board. Let's see how we all do. And I'm not here to to do that. Because I wouldn't want my thoughts to be up on the board here this week. None of us are perfect. And, and we, we fall into traps. We, we, we are tempted uh, in all points, like as Jesus was. We are, we are tempted in every way. We're tempted to quit. We're tempted to, uh, you know, give up. We're tempted to look like the world, act like the world. We're tempted by things we see, things that other people do. We're tempted by all kinds of influences that are around us. And there are, how many believe there are unseen forces around us that are working on you day and night? Working on you day and night. They work on your heart. They work on your age. They work on your, on, on your physical part. They work on, uh, you know, your emotions. They work on your memory. They work on your past. They work on all kinds of things in your life because that's what Satan does. He finds an area that he can work on and he just kind of holds that door open with his toe and he just tries to get in as much as he can, as quick as he can, and he just doesn't know when to get out. And it's for the rich and the poor and whosoever will believe it. It's, it's, it's you and Christ as persons together. And so God created us to enjoy a relationship with him and a a life that's full of purpose, and a life of direction, and a life that has a vision, or, uh, if you like, a a person that has a goal in their life. I I, I believe that God's raised me up to make it. I believe God's raised me up to be a part of the bride of Christ, and and to make it, and to be in the wedding supper of the Lamb. How many believe that? That's a purpose that God's raised. He He hasn't just saved you because He had extra blood. He hasn't saved you because, you know what, after all, you're a pretty good guy. That has nothing to do with it. It's what he knew from before the, the, the foundation of the world. It's the ancient people he had in his mind when you stood as the sons and daughters of God. And no one can pluck them out of his hand. Jesus assured us and said none of them is lost. None of them is lost. Now, <clears throat> Brother Bannon refers to the token, and I'm watching my time here very carefully. A token is, by definition, it is a thing that serves as a visible or tangible representation of a fact or something. It, it is a voucher that can be exchanged for goods or services. So when you buy a plane ticket, uh, you, you, you pay the price and you have a ticket, either on your phone or you have it on paper, and it is the evidence that you paid the price. You can't get this unless you give this. And so a token is a sign that a price has been paid, right? It is a sign that a price has been paid, God required the price, God requires the price, and God provides the token. God provides the the result of the payment. Isn't that right? 
So in order to make it in, in, in the same way that in order to make it out in the days of Moses, in order to make it out in the days of, of uh, Paul and the early church, they had to have the token. They had to have, uh, you know, evidence that the price was paid. Right? In, in, the, in the days of Moses, when they left Israel, they had to, uh, the only way they got out was that the death angel was uh, passed by. The death angel went on. If the death angel got in, let me tell you, everybody didn't get out. So if they got out, it means that they had the token applied. You may not have seen it. You may not have seen your neighbor's door. But the fact that they're out means that someone paid the token somewhere. Someone displayed the token somewhere. Isn't that true? So, so therefore, uh, we, we can say it this way, that if you make it to the marriage supper, and I see you at the table, and I trust I see you all at the table, then I will tell you what, then we'll know that the, that, that the token actually was, was uh, applied by you, that, that you actually had the token, because you can't get there without having it back here. You can't get off the plane unless you get on the plane, right? It's a sign. It's a distinguishing mark. Just like the, the spies told Rahab to tie this marker in the window, and then we'll know that this is where believers are. And that token applied to her family as well as her. It was not just her, but it was for her family as well. It's an amazing thing how, how important the token is and how powerful it is. Watch now. Again, in desperation, and the devil can impersonate any of these things, but he cannot be the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost is the token that the blood has been applied. The Holy Ghost is the token that the blood's been applied. Because it, capital I, it, the Holy Spirit, follows the blood all the way back. Wow. Because it follows the blood all the way from the book of Redemption. Book of Redemption is the Lamb's Book of Life, right? And we know it's over by the organ. So if this is where the, the found, before the foundation of the world, where the book was, God completed the book, right? Hey, folks, he hasn't completed the book this week. He completed it before the world began, right? We all right? But it's, 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 your name's in the book back here. <clears throat> Let me ask you, what's, what's God, what is God actually tracking? What is, just tell him, hang on a second. What is God actually tracking? Is he interested in everything and everyone in the world? Is he interested in everything and everyone in the world? Well, yeah, he died on the cross for everybody, but he knows that everybody is not exactly in agreement with him, right? He knows exactly that the governments of this world are controlled by Satan, so he's not really going to redeem them. But you know what he's tracking? He's tracking exactly the members who are in this book, and where they were to be predestinated according to every age. So the blood, watch now, the blood, the plan of redemption, it was tracking the elect all the way from the beginning. Because you know what? God showed up at Abel's altar and gave him a revelation right there and said, this is what you need to offer. Why did God do that? Because he knew Abel was on the book, and if Abel's on the book, he's got to make it in. The only way you make it in is have the right revelation, right? To shed, to shed the right blood, to make the right sacrifice. And he shows up first day, day one, and gives Abel the revelation right there. Abel's got it. You know what we're going to do? We're going to move on. We're going to find the next group that we're get, we have to redeem. And then all the way down through, and God finds Noah. 
And he finds Noah over here with all of his family. And he says, Noah, the, the plan has led me to you. The book has led me to you. And here I am. And he says, now what I want you to do is build an ark. And when Noah built the ark, got in, him and his family, they were all safe, right? You know what God did? He moved on. Another generation and another generation and came to Moses and said, you're not ordained to die right here in Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's cosmos. You are ordained to go on to the promised land to fulfill the word to Abraham. And so God's right there on the scene and they offer the right thing and apply the token and they get out of there and the plan moves on. All the way down. All the way down to where Jesus lived and died, bled on the cross. Come on, are you with me? All the way down. What's he doing? He's following that. Now the blood of Jesus Christ is available and the plan, the plan from the book here, he's watching to find out where every believer is through the ages. And he's got Paul and Silas and he's got all those believers that they go to and they minister to in the early church all the way through the dark ages and stood right there when all those people exhibited a martyr's faith. God was right there because he was making sure. Let me tell you something, what he was doing. He was making sure they did not they did not deny. He's making sure that they didn't backtrack. He's making sure. He's the unseen force. He's the unseen power that gives them the holding power to be able to stay even in the midst of 1,500 years, almost 1,000 years of darkness and persecution and torture and everything else. You know the reason why they didn't cave is because the Holy Spirit was right there watching the plan. Yep, His name's on the plan. Yes, sir, His name's on the plan. I got your back. I got your back. He's not telling you that, but He's there empowering you to live what God's ordained you to live in that day. And all the way down through and all the way down through and it comes right down to today. And he's got an individual here that desires to surrender his heart. Let me tell you, that's not a series of good choices that you've made. That's because somebody knows your name is recorded over here and has followed you to this day. And has followed you right to the pool right here and make sure you do the right thing. That's not a series of smart choices, even though it is. But I will tell you something. It's the unseen force that guides you into the plan of redemption so you can receive everything that God's got for you. God is smart. God knows exactly what He's doing. And I'll sprinkle clean water upon you and you shall be clean from all your filthiness and so forth. Watch. New heart, Brother Branham says. A new heart, a new spirit I'll put within you. I'll keep all my statutes, all my judgments. When that mainspring begins to tick... When the love of God is brought back amongst the people of God. Remember what I said, I think, on last Sunday. We live in an age where the love of, the love of many waxes cold. So in that age, to counter that, God actually allows the love of God to be restored among the people of God. And then you're going to see the church of God all in their own corner with one another with lots of friction. I'm sorry, I didn't read that right. You're going to see the church of God all fellowshipping with one another without any friction at all. That was, that was what we call, in, in the technical term, that's what we call scattered amens. That was just scattered amens. So let me read it again. All right. When the love of God is brought back amongst the people of God, then you're going to see the church of God. How many are members of the church of God? Amen. All fellowshipping with one another without any friction at all. You say, I've been hurt. I'll tell you what, if you were hurt, let's fix that. Let's ask forgiveness for that. Let's, let's work together. Bible says, if thy brother has ought against you, you come and leave your gift at the altar and go make that right. That's what it says. There's, let me tell you, there's nothing impossible with God. 
And so therefore, if, if there's a, something, an issue that causes God's people not to fulfill this, then my goodness, let's clear it out of the way. Because this is the time when the love of God's restored back in the body again. You remember when the servants in the Bible said that our Lord delayeth his coming, and they begin to devour one another and bite and fuss, and the Lord come. It's in Matthew 24, which is on the bottom of the screen here. They had lamps but no oil, and when they did, they were cast out into outer darkness. And, brother, why take a substitute when the genuine's here at hand? Why would you take something different when the real thing's here at hand? So to forgive. I mean to forgive now, to really forgive, and to be able to forgive from the heart. It's an easy thing to forgive from the mouth. It actually is. And say, brother, I'm asking you forgiveness. Okay, I forgive you. And go on. That's not real forgiveness, really, if it's not from the heart. So let me give you an example. I don't know much about Corey Ten Boom, but I heard the story, and I thought it was very interesting. And she, in the last days, uh, when they were hiding Jews uh, from being caught, they had a, a, a kind of a shady fellow show up at their house. And uh, they came to uh, Mr. Ten Boom. And they said to him, he said to him in a panic, he said, we also hide Jews here. And uh, uh, we, we, we need to have some money and we need to uh, be able to send some people here because we've been found out and we need to go into hiding ourselves. And we need to send some people here and we need some money. So if it would be all right, we'd do that. And Mr. Ten Boom did not like this guy. He was questionable. And he said, well, hey, come back at 5 o'clock and uh, we'll see what we can do. And this guy was a plant. And he was trying to draw them out, you know, and, and get them to confess, yes, we also hide Jews. That's what he wanted to hear. And so in that time span, it was just a few hours, but in that time span, Cory Timboom's father made preparations and he hid the people that were in the house that were hiding in their place and hid them in another place and said, we have a potential situation where we might be caught and so uh, we want you to get out of the house here and go to safety. And they did. And those people left and went to safety. Five o'clock, the Germans showed up and they surrounded the house and they took Corrie Ten Boom and her sister Elsie, I think it is. I think it's her name. And then, uh, was it Elsie? And then the father. And the father, before he was led away, he said, God be with you girls. And the girls said, and also with you, Father. And that was the last words they said. A week later, uh, Mr. Tin Boom was dead. And uh, the, the girls went off to uh, uh, a concentration camp, and it was a, it was the entire camp was flea-infested. And they, they, they lived in this barracks together for several months there. And uh, they, they, they were so many of their inmates who died that when they were on their last breath, they, they had put... Um, they put the, the, the near-death people, it was their, like on their deathbed, they created a deathbed uh, by the door of the barracks. And when they were on their last breath, they would put them on their bed, and they all got together. And these were not all believers, but Corey Tinboom would lead them in prayer and singing and rejoicing because they said, this bed, we're not going to call it a deathbed, we're going to call it the gateway to heaven. And they said, when you reach this bed, this is now the last step because then you're going to go on to heaven from here. And that's the way they interpreted this, this horrible scene that they were in. And, and these guards had no compassion. They had no sensitivity to the needs of the people, all flea-infested and diseased and everything else. And, you know, they would take them out randomly and shoot them. And Corey Ten Boom tells the story. And uh, they, they, they uh, would celebrate around this deathbed uh, every, every time. But then an interesting thing happened. One day, a guard showed up and asked for Corey Ten Boom and wanted to talk to her. And he said, you do not know me, he said, but I was a guard over in this other camp. 
And I think it's Buchenwald that she eventually wound up in. I think that's where, I'm, I'm not, I don't know all the details, but he's, he came, comes to her and he says, I was there. And he says, I was the guard that was looking after the barracks uh, when your sister died. He said, I remember your sister dying in that place because you, you called out and you were crying. And, and he said, I did nothing. He said, I, 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 I didn't do anything about it. And he said, I watched her die. He said, we could have had given her medical attention, he said, but we did nothing. And he said, but in my last year, he said, I have given my heart to Christ. And he said, I've become a Christian. And he said, I know I'm on my way out because I can't remain an SS guard and, and still be a Christian. He said, I know I'm on my way out, but I wanted to come to you before all that happened and ask you for forgiveness for what I did in not helping your sister and watched her die. Dragged her body out of the barracks and put it in an open grave. And he said, I wanted to come and ask you forgiveness. And he held out his hand like this to her. And this is the picture that was taken of the two of them. And he held out his hand to her like that. And she took his hand because he, she didn't really know what he, what, you know, whether I can or can't. But she took his hand and she gave him one of those limp handshakes and just said, well, I forgive you. And she began to turn away, and when she turned away, something spoke to her inside and said, but that's not really forgiveness from the heart. And she turned back to the man, and he said to her, I know this is very hard for you, he said, but I honestly, he said, would love to have your forgiveness. And he said something dropped into her heart because she realized, I'm one of these ancient people, and I would not be where I am today except for the grace of God the fact that he died on the cross for me. And she said, I've been forgiven. The Bible tells me that in order for me to have my sins forgiven, I must forgive others. And this is going over in her heart, one sentence after another. And she goes back to the man. She takes takes his hand like that. And she said from that moment, she said it was like a heat that started up here, like in this area. And she said it just... uh, magnified itself. He said, coming right down. She said, I just felt that warmth and shaking his hand. She said, I knew I had forgiven him. And she said, I forgive you. And walked away. It's easy to say the words, but it's another thing, really, to have that resonate in your heart and to be able to really say that she had forgiven him. You should never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. When the love of God, I just went backwards. When the love of God is brought back amongst the people of God, then you're going to see the church of God all fellowshipping with one another without any friction at all. You want to get friction out of your life? Part of the strategy is to forgive from your heart. Can I go a little further? Just a little further. What is the baptism of the Holy Ghost, Brother Bram said? It is the Spirit baptizing you into the body of Christ. It is the new birth. It is the Spirit of God coming in and filling you after you have repented, having heard his word, and been baptized in water as an answer of a good conscience towards God. Let me tell you something else the Holy Spirit is. I want you to just stay with me now. I'm going to close. But I want to give you just a couple of slides here, a couple of statements Brother Bram makes. It's just, I, I, I never, a couple of these quotes I never even saw before. Brother Branham's talking about deafness. 
He's talking about a patient in front of him who is deaf, and he says, they have, we have auditory nerves in the side of our head, and he said they run to our brain and different things. And he said, <clears throat> what happens when a person goes deaf is what he's explaining. He said, he said why did that die right in the ear? Why, why there? Why now? And he's asking that question to everybody. He says, you can't explain it. I can't tell you because the doctor can only work with the five senses that he can see or feel. Now then, he says, if there's a truth, here's a person who's deaf and dumb. And he said, and there's nothing laying against that. In other words, there's no growth, no cancer or something, no tumor that's laying against that nerve. If there's nothing there laying against that, what caused it? Why does that person's hearing be cut off uh, when, every, when everyone else's hearing is normal? Or their, their vision is fine, but now all of a sudden their hearing is cut off. What is that? He said, here's what it is, friends, in the light of God's word. He said, there's an unseen force, the devil, which comes out. There's actually an unseen force that's working there to try to limit that person or try to hinder that person in some way. Because that's what Satan is. He's a hindrance. He's a liar. He's a pressure. He's a force from below. Right? And, and here he is. He says that's an unseen force, comma, the devil, which comes out. And he says just the x-ray won't show him. But it cut off the energy. We can't see him. But we can see the effect of that pressure. So we can take the x-ray or the MRI. Not going to show him. He said, it's a supernatural being sitting there that's cut off the energy from that eardrum. And naturally, that ear is going to deteriorate and it's going to, it's going to wither and die. 22, the paragraph. And in the way of divine healing, watch what he's explaining. The prayer of faith moves this unseen force. And if nature has its right way, that eardrum can become energized again and the patient can hear. He's telling us a great truth here. That many times what Satan does, he'd, he'd come in there as an unseen force. Nobody can see him. But all of a sudden he's there. And maybe there's an inherent weakness or genetic weakness in the body or something else. And here's this, here's this unseen power that's there. Unseen force comes in and presses against that there. And nobody can see him. He's just sitting there and nobody can see him. He's, he's got this continually until that eardrum actually dies. And there's no more life left, left in it at all. And he's got the pressure on there. Hey, you ever feel the pressure of the enemy? You can't, you can't really see it. Sometimes you can't even tell. I don't know what's wrong, but there's something wrong. And sometimes you feel that way. And a lot of times it's just an unseen force that's pressing against you. You go to the doctor even and you say, Doc, I, you know, I just don't feel good. And I got this, I got that, something else. And they'll examine this and examine that and x-ray this, x-ray that. And they really don't know because they can't see it. They can't detect it, right? They're limited to five senses there. And you know what it is? Many times it's just an unseen force that's parked right there and leaning against your life and making you as miserable as you possibly can. And it can be your ear, or it could be your eyes, or it could be, it could be some other part of you, right? Sometimes Satan can get in there and lean on your past. Come on, folks. Sometimes people, you, Satan will get in there and lean on the fact, hey, you just blew out 30 candles there, sis. Sometimes Satan will get in there and lean there and say, hey, nobody's ever going to marry you. And he just leans on that, right? Causes a pressure. Makes life miserable for you. You're not dead. You're not dead. But you know what? Life's miserable. And you just, come on. Anybody relate to what I'm talking about? Here's, here's Brother Bram said. Now, in the way of divine healing now, in other words, here's what God does in a case like this. Here's the way that God fixes that. He's got a higher power. He's got another unseen force that can come through the power of prayer and actually cast that thing off. 
So it doesn't have a choice anymore. It's got to go in the name of Jesus Christ. It's got to go. And an unseen force in God is stronger than the unseen force that's making your life miserable. Does that make sense? Brother Bram often would say, get your hands off that, off that child of God. He'd lift your hands off that child of God. Because it's Satan who's in, in, in the operation of this life. He's got enough power and force and invisibility that he can sneak in and make your life miserable. The prayer of faith is also an unseen force that can reverse that or undo that unseen force of Satan. Can I go a little further? Hear ye him. Brother Bram says, don't flip-flop from the Methodists to the Baptists to the Pentecostals. Don't do that. Set your wings and fly. Go on up higher with God's Holy Spirit, and the gravitation will lose its hold by an unseen force. You're lifted above this chatter and chatter. Dr. So-and-so said this, and the church doesn't believe this. No matter what the church says, Brother Bram says, God says it's truth. God says it's truth. You don't have to live in the gutter of this world's immorality. And you don't have to live in a world full of temptation. Here's what Brother Random is saying. Use that unseen force that God's birthed inside you and say, Lord, lift me above that. Cause me to rise above that. Lord, let me not get tempted and pulled down into that realm. But Lord, lift me up in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And Brother Random said that gravitation will actually lose its hold. The natural force that keeps us all down, it will lose its hold and cause you to raise up higher in Christ. Do you believe that? That's one of the benefits of having the Holy Spirit, is to have that unseen force at work in your life. Oh, he says, how wonderful. How mighty is he? How wonderful and how mighty is he? How many, how many of you, he says, would like to consecrate your lives to God right now afresh? Oh, he said, like little waves of glory falling, dewdrops of mercy. Believest thou this? And this is the Holy Spirit that comes. This is that unseen force that drives us into the kingdom of God. This is that unseen force that drives us into the kingdom of God. Let's have our musicians, if they'll slip out and just come on up here. Watch down what he says. It's the blessing of Pentecost. Come back home. Come back home. You're expected back home. You're precious people, and God wants you to consecrate yourselves. Women, clean up yourselves. Men, clean up yourselves. Let's get started back to God and serve God with a clean heart. Let me say this. The the blood from the book of redemption follows you all the way down to where you are and lets you know that you're not just a son of this world, but you're a child of God. And you know what you do then? You start going from the way you were walking and the way you were living. Now we come back to God. You know what? Because the message says... The message in the book says you're expected back home. you got a place back home. Be like the prodigal son. Don't stay there in the gutter of this world, but come back home. Let's get back home. Come on. It's a journey. Let's get back home. I'll be with you every step of the way. Clean up your lives. Consecrate your lives. Because that world is not like this world. This world is a dirty world that we live in. But clean yourselves up because we're coming back into the kingdom of God. And he said, let's get started with a clean heart. You're doing the right thing to get started with a clean heart. But if we, if we walk in the waters of baptism, if we surrender our life to Christ and still keep walking in the same dirty way we walked, then we haven't really heard the message to come back home. That's why the Bible says for us to be zealous and repent. And I will tell you, that's what the Holy Spirit does. Brother Bram said, this is that Holy Spirit. This is that unseen force that drives us into the kingdom of God. Satan will drive you crazy. The Spirit of God will drive you to the kingdom of God. If you're not meant to be, if you're not meant to be in this world's hell, it's probably because the Holy Spirit's trying to drive you back to the kingdom. 
He's probably trying to drive you back to the tree of life. He's probably trying to drive you back to peace and to eternal life and to drive you back to, to pure holiness. He's trying to drive you back to the place that you came from in the first place. And so you might be sitting there saying, why, why don't people leave me alone? It's because you're a child of God. Why don't, why don't, why don't God just let me go? Well, because you're a child of God. And you know what? He's obligated to you even more than you're obligated to Him. I said, He's more obligated to you than even we are to Him. Because He promised not one of them will be lost. No man can pluck them out of my hand. And He said, I'll lose none. God cares enough about you that He followed you even when you were a sinner. And the blood of Jesus Christ found you and cleansed you from all sin. And now you started back towards the right kingdom, the right place to go. It's because there's an unseen force that's at work in your life. Hey, I'm glad for the unseen force that's at work in my life. There's a lot of things that I can't see and I can't understand and I can't make sense out of and I don't know what's going to happen next because of this. I don't know. There's a whole lot of things I don't know. But I do know this, that I believe if I have Christ in me, He is that unseen force that is going to make up all those loose loose ends. He's going to uh, tie together all those questions that I have. He's going to solve all the doubts. And eventually, He'll just hold the door open and say, You're expected right here. That's what a prophet says. You're expected back home. You ever had your mother tell you that? Or your mother texts you and says, you're expected home. Get home. The Holy Spirit's simply saying that to us. You need to get home. <laughs> this world's going to blow to pieces. This world's going to be a mess. It's saying, it ain't going to be pretty, boys, before this is all over. You need to get home. This is the Holy Spirit saying, here's how. Let's get home. God wants you to consecrate yourself. Let's stand on our feet. He said, let's get started back to God. Whatever you have to do to get, to, to get the knots untied and to get things straightened out of your life, hey, whatever it is, whatever it takes, let's do it. Because we're expected home. We're expected in that place. We are standing on holy ground. Let's sing that Keith C. Let's sing that this morning here. I'm going to have a word of prayer with you here this morning, and then I'm going to slip out. Hunter's going to come and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If there is anyone else here today that would feel a pull to be baptized, you're certainly welcome to do that. Uh, all you need to do is just come and go back and let the deacons know, and they'll make, make arrangements there. Anybody at all would like to do that. I mean, there's no better day, no better day to do it than today. But whatever station in life you're at, take Brother Ram's advice. Consecrate yourself. Point, point yourself that way. He's given us a road map and told us exactly how to get there. We are standing on holy Yeah.
sing it one more time. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for the things that have been made so plain, so real to us. Lord, in this last day, we want to certainly be in tune, in harmony, and in step with your Holy Spirit. Lord, as we move higher, as we move closer to the kingdom, Lord, may every force that is arrayed against your people, may it be broken in the name of Jesus. May it be stayed, Lord. May it be pushed away by the unseen force of prayer and consecration. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just keep us, I pray, keep us sensitive to you. Lord, may we listen. May we be sensitive to your presence, Lord, whenever you draw near. We are praying, Lord, for your guidance. We're praying for your forgiveness. We are asking, Lord Jesus, that you would just minister to every heart and every soul today. Lord, there are some today that are sick and need a touch, and I commit them into your care, believing, Lord, that you're still the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, Lord, we can't help but think of Sister Mary Smith and Sister Shirley's mom and, Lord, just so many others that are hurting and needy. And I, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would... Grant to them that healing virtue that comes only from the Holy Spirit. Have your way, Lord. We can say it's been good for us to be in your house with your people. And so we commit our hearts now to your care. In Jesus' name, and for your glory. Amen. Jesus,
that God would take his life now and mold him and shape him and use him for his glory. I have no idea what the purpose of God is for Hunter. And even Hunter doesn't know that, but I will tell you, someone does. Amen. And the best thing you can do is just put your hands in the hands of God and uh, let God take that life like a, a handful of clay and just shape it the way that God wants it shaped now. There's no better thing you can do than surrender your life to Christ at an early age. And so we're thankful for this opportunity. Heavenly Father, as we bow our heads together and we pray for Hunter, in the name of Jesus, we ask that you would just take him, Lord, in your hands, and I pray that you would uh, fill him with your Holy Spirit, Lord, receive the sacrifice of his body today, Lord, as he presents himself to you. And Lord, may you now transform him and change him, Lord, and just make him into what you have predestinated him to be. And Lord, I just pray that you would forgive him of everything that he's ever done, every sin, every offense. Lord, may now when you look at Hunter, you look at the blood of Christ so that you see only purity and white when you look at him. Father, I just ask now that you would do great things in his life. And Lord, bring him back home, we pray. In the name of Jesus, we commit him to you. Amen. Amen. Switch hands. Hunter, based on your desire to walk in newness of life, and surrender your life to Christ, I now baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a wonderful sight to see. Before we go, we'll just sing a couple of songs, but I just want to make a quick announcement too. I forgot to make this, and I wasn't sure if it was mentioned, but just remember Sister Kristen Godwin is having a baby shower at 3 o'clock this afternoon in the Fellowship Hall, okay? Let's sing that song, um, Glad Day. Oh, glad day when I was born again.
Die. 
Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for this day and this wonderful time to be here in church. We just want to thank you for Brother Hunter and his dedication to you now. We just ask that you would just walk with him, Lord, and that you would just guide him. We just ask, God, that you would go with us today now as we go our separate ways, that you would just instill the word that was taught to us today in our hearts so that we may draw closer to you and be pleasing to you. We just ask once again, go with us, forgive us of our sins and mistakes. We just ask this all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's sing that song, um, It Will Never Lose Its Power. In G. For it reaches to the highest mountain, and it flows to the lowest valley. go this Let me pray. 